Alright, hello my darlings, and welcome back to another exciting adventure right here on Radio Wasteland. Our guest tonight is Samuel Hoffman. That's Hoffman with one F. I want to say that's the Dutch, not the German, if I remember correctly. And uh, Samuel Hoffman is the uh, is the uh, foremost uh, expert, at least on our show, about uh, Nibiru. How are you doing today, Samuel? I am doing well, and it's beautiful and 61 degrees in Montana uh, this afternoon, and, you know, the birds are out chirping, and uh, the rest of the country is experiencing the rather unusual Colorado through uh, Kansas, through Alabama storms and drawn-out uh, uh, tornadoes, and then it hits the East Coast tomorrow, and it's going to be really nasty with these longer storms. So we're better off than those guys over there. And you were saying that we're at the start of a 180-day cycle again. Right, right, right. Uh, we, You know, March, middle of March, you know, the March Madness, here we go again. Um, the planet Atu and her moon are coming in for a crossing pass again, and they're matching all the cyclic behavior that we've seen over the last, you know, eight or so years since the patterns have gone uh, from right to left. Prior to that, they were in a spiral pattern, but then they were much smaller and easier to track. But now they're so massive over the top of us, and the the in the close passes, the asteroids and the major ones and the debris fields underneath the, the, the each of the individual planets is also coming in for these close passes. Now they're starting to illuminate in all of the sightings all over the place. And they're also dragging up some really nasty electrical storms, and as you can see, quite a few tornadoes and eddies and mass weather and changes and all sorts of cyclonic behavior around the planet. It's some really cool stuff. And it's, it's, it's a cross-planet facial crossing, and it really seriously does affect our weather. And, and if people around the area of effect of these storms, now a lot of these storms are coming in, and everyone who lives under the region is completely engulfed in clouds, so it's really hard for them to get the sightings. But if you look in that direction, if you know that there is a, uh, an occurrence of this storm-type procedure that's going on, and you get sightings, you'll notice that there's this big, huge, massive core cloud, and it's green, and it's pretty much crossing over the top of most of these um, extreme weather patterns around the world. And it's quite an awesome sight when you start cross-referencing and checking the, the passings of Nepesity and Atu's moon and all the other planets. Over the years, it's been so cyclic that we've been able to actually determine that, we, yes, we do know what we're talking about. And it's a phenomenal existence, and it, it, it's completely... Uh, documented around the world time after time, and we're getting um, uh, some great stuff in from from Budapest and and Petty's out there, and we're getting some great stuff from from England and and Planet X Hunter and Andy, and um, we're getting some great stuff from the East Coast and the Midwest and 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 around the world and uh, Scotland, Ireland, all over uh, Malaysia, you name it, and. The, all of this information is matching, and so we're directly on top of the information, and we are not wrong because we've been doing this. We're going on our 12th year now. And if you can't see the passing planets, well, then you're not looking hard enough or long enough. And um, you can see them in the morning, you can see them in the midday, and you can see them in the evening, and they're all around us. Now, we have not been in this planetary pattern since uh, the onset of the, the crossing event, because Nibiru means the planet of crossing. Um, uh we, we are now in the middle of them and underneath them. They're starting to pass us uh, like a year or two ago where they went briefly past us and then back into their little uh, arched oval of the daily view. And now they're actually physically going around us and past us where we're getting nighttime views again. 
and then the electrical uh, storms that are coming directly off the object cluster groups, which are the larger asteroid belts, which are electrically attached to these planets. Now, they go by daily. We see them on a constant basis. They do not fall into Earth. There is particles and stuff and junk and smaller debris that is falling off them, which is why we've got such an increased amount of meteoroid and asteroid activity. And don't listen to everything they're pumping out that NASA and those guys say, because it's a lot of distractions and, and half-truths and misnomers. And um, I, we've been producing enough information that it's absolutely documented. In it. so, and I, I was kind of hoping that you'd taken some of the opportunity to look at some of the information that we sent your direction today. Yeah, I have. And I have. Got, a, got an understanding of what's going on. And I'll be glad to coach you, if you uh, off the side if you want some extra time. Um, then I sent you a really nice link uh, to Nibiru Followers Anonymous from YouTube. So it's on your private message. And anybody out there listening, uh, Rebecca is doing a phenomenal job, and I suggest you go to her YouTube page, Nibiru Followers Anonymous. She's got countless videos of some really grand work at collecting all the stuff that we at Montana Skywatchers have collected, and she's really gotten a handle on it. And then she started up her own page, and she's been very wonderful at it, and I, have, I can never thank her enough. And I did get caught up in one of her uh, in one of her videos I was watching earlier today, and it was talking about wisps of clouds actually being debris that was coming through our atmosphere, and I found it I found it pretty interesting. Well, we've been. Um, it, it depends on which direction you look on the on the sun in in these sightings. Now, on the left hand side of the sun is where the gas giants are, and currently and the, the uri is just massive filling up literally the entire left hand side of the sky and then atu is a smaller gas giant with her white moon and then you've got the object cluster groups and lead asteroid and the blue asteroid and the red asteroid and the green asteroid and we, now we've been documenting those for over eight years and now they have become so large and so regular that we even know where they are all, pretty much most of the time and they figure into the, the monthly drawings now and because of the sightings being numerous enough that we are allowed to discuss them as proven fact and topic and everything because that's what we try to do is stick with empirical science and only when we have actual sightings do they become fully topic we don't discuss a bunch of crazy stuff that somebody thought they saw you know whatever but the um the skull asteroid is also being cited right now um and it is real it's a nasa release but nasa lied about its location and its orbit track so you have to Discount the fact that what they're telling you is where and take into account the fact they're admitting it because they're trying to get credit for stuff and more funding, of course, but they're not going to tell us the whole truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here I'm looking at, uh, as we're talking about this, you had mentioned that the planets were on the left-hand side of the sun, and I'm looking at a photo that you shared with me that, uh, you know, the exposure has been rocked just a little bit to define stuff, and it's got a what appears to be a large blue mass covering part of the sun, and then a white dot that is, I'm assuming, a moon. Uh, well, those uh, the asteroids are crossing in front of the sun again. Yeah, the, some the, belt there. Yeah, from last week. Yeah, and and it's uh, they're angled, and it's really funny how the sky behaves because it's literally like we watch almost uh, like two, like a scroll, like a piano roll scroll, and yet they're going in opposite directions toward the center, toward each other, toward the sun. It's they're like they're rolling in toward the sun, and you've got the planetary movements on the one side, and you've got the planetary movements on the right-hand side, 
and they're both sort of spiraling in toward us. And it is so weird because we're in the middle of them rotating as we rotate around to one direction. They're rotating around to the other direction, and they're so close and so huge now. They're 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 intense sky fillers. Yeah, you know. This this might be a good time to possibly address this, you know, in dealing with these fringe topics, you know, for lack of a better word, let's call them fringe topics that you and I both dig into. We we get a lot of people that are on both sides of political persuasion and why they may be at odds with one another. We get a lot of these people, but it seems that both sides have had just about enough of of media sensationalism. You know, a prime example is um, <clears throat> is hurricanes. Don't get me wrong. They hurt a lot of people, help people in the hurricane. But the news will like report on a hurricane that's coming in and it's a category four and it'll be all over the place. But then it'll get downsized to a category one, but they'll still keep it all over the place and still talk about it in the same way with the sensationalism. So with all this discussion of weather, you know, I think we should probably outright answer people that is this 180 day cycle? Are these things moving through our atmosphere other than preparing for possibly bad weather? Is there much to fear there? The uh, the storm, the first time I saw it go go by was probably oh, about 2018. And it went um, over the top of Montana at an angle from the from the southwest to the northeast. And it came over the top of us, and we had extremely weird southerly winds that we don't normally. It, it, they happen, but not this way. And there was a lightning storm that I have never seen. Did, did you ever see the movie Red Sonia? Oh, yeah, more than once. <laughs> and the, the effects of the talisman. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking what, about. This is what this storm looks like when it comes in. And this is the object cluster group and partially parts of the smaller object cluster group, which when URI comes in, then it really magnifies it. I mean, then it's just unbelievable. And we're going to see a URI, close URI pass here really soon. So this summer, we are going to see lightning storms we've never seen in our lives. There's going to be severe winds, and there's going to be repeated, extreme, bolt, very massively large bolts of lightning, and you're going to hear thunder, thunder echoes that you've never heard in your life because they're coming literally from space. And it's going to echo and it's going to discharge. And planets, see, the planets do not collide. They repel each other. When they get too, part, too close, then they shove each other away electrically because they carry a different static charge. I believe it's actually opposite. So it's not unlike uh, the crack of thunder. Oh, it's going to be, we're going to, you know, and... and, I mean, the scientific thing causing the sound is not unlike the crack of thunder. Oh, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, Mm. You remember last year's Ohio storm where all the crops got flattened? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, that's, we're going to see more of those events, but they're going to be worse this year. Remember the storm in over San Francisco Bay that lit up three quarters of your state on fire? So I'm guessing that people need to just be prepared and worried about right. weather, but they don't need to be uh, shooting I'm each other in the scream, streets or anything. <laughs> I'm not going to scream doom and gloom, but I'm going to say if you're not ready now, you should get ready now just in case now drags on for a little bit longer. But um, I'm I'm still shopping and still piling up my, you know, I'm going to start looking for old-fashioned tools and that sort of thing. and. 
you know, add to the pile a little bit here because, you know, it, at any point in time, depending on your area, we could see we're going to see extremes that we've never seen. Oh, and I guess with all this talk of electricity, you know, a uh, a electromagnetic pulse is not out of the question. Um, yeah, well, we could we could have a, a a planetary discharge that would probably do a limited area like that. Yeah, hmm. um, there's there's all kinds of possible, and um, there's also the ion bleeding off. When we have a larger planet closer to a smaller planet, the the larger planet planet will actually rob some of the ions out of the body. They'll just pull it away. And that, I think, is why people are feeling very uncomfortable and having mass headaches and chest palpitations and heart attacks and nausea and body aches. And I think there's so much more electricity going through us than normal in some of these close event passes. And and, and lunacy, and now Atu's moon is, of course, going to come across us again. So we're going to go through the lunacy effect times three again, which is, you know, irritabilities, uh, discomfort. Um, people with uh, bipolar disorder will think a little less clear than they normal. Heck, normal people are going to think less clear than they normal. We could almost even call it a, like a Tower of Babel syndrome, where people are going to be confused. Great. So it's like the werewolf full moon times a thousand. Yeah, yeah. We're going <laughs> to see some, you know, and, and I, I, I see pretty regularly every day just about um, someone talking about how they're going to the hospital because they're having these chest pains and their heart palpitations and they don't know what's going on and and then you know then it gets better and then it comes back and that that in itself is happening to me as well i've had headaches and all sorts of weird stuff that i haven't had for a very long time now all of a sudden wham where'd this come from mm. so we're going to see you know some body changes and some different watch the animals as usual um they will point things out that you know when the dogs are barking in your neighborhood go outside and look up because there's probably a big planet passing over, if not a group of asteroids. And they are massively visible. This week is some of the largest um, lead object, lead asteroid of the object cluster group pictures that we've ever seen. So we're, we're in new territory, you know. We're, we're not in Kansas anymore. We are now in the middle of these guys, and they're circling and spiraling past us and over our heads and beyond us and being illuminated at night. So we're going to see, you know, the, the open core of Nepesity, and we're going to see the purple colors of, of Attu, and we're going to see the, the bright white illumination of Attu's moon after, um, after sunset. And you'll see the bottom of the, these planets will be illuminated far longer after sunset, and you'll be wondering, like, why is the sky still so light? It's because there's a massive planet above us, and we're seeing the refractive light off the bottom of the planet. Okay, so... Samuel, I don't know if you know this, but I think I've told you this. <clears throat> you are, when it comes to us uploading our program to YouTube, you are by and large our most successful videos on YouTube. They are at the top okay, of our well, list. I, I hate to interrupt you, but did I win the free Sasquatch? Um, as soon as somebody catches one, we're bringing it in. But, you know, what all these videos... Yeah, I apologize. No, 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 it's fine. What all these videos does is it brings in more comments than the other ones. So I, uh, Andrea was nice enough to collect a few comments here, and I was hoping to have you um, address them. None of them are, sure. uh, you know, mean or aggressive or anything, but... Uh, oh, well, I, I can take those on, too. Right, yeah, but it's not good radio. <laughs> uh, okay, so, friend, and and if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you and get your feedback. Some are comments, some are questions. Absolutely, go right ahead. Uh, friendly advice asked or stated, the man that discovered Nibiru named it Herkul, 
O bus. Yeah, Hercule, Hercule book. Nobody can even say that. Hercubus, yeah. Hercubus, okay. Nibiru yeah. is one of its moons. His name was Carlos F. M-U-N-O-Z. The same man that they changed how the naming of new objects in space was given. Look into him, smiley, winky face. So I, and what, how, old, how old and when was this man living in... Uh, I yeah. I have no idea. This was I was just wondering okay, if you'd well, heard of this guy or if that uh, is well, this um, guy pulling this the, from something else. The names else. come from the the Sitchin translations. Mm-hmm. The names come from many other texts as well. And when uh, usually I'm handed human information, I have a tendency to sort of kind of chuckle and go, "Okay, well that's your version of it." Right. And when did you you know? And then you check the the origin date, and if you go back to. Uh, the this the clay tablets from from Sitchin that predates just about everybody and so um a lot of the information that we are unfortunately being handed left and right all over the internet is misskewed legendary changed manipulated lost track of and in most cases human opinion mm-hmm. and um that is almost an impossible answer to answer or question to answer excuse me uh, but um, the, the the names and the connections of our informations mostly comes from off-world that I recognized and compared, and it has, over these 12 years, turned out to be exactly correct. We have not found any flaws in, in the information that we have. Yeah, and the uh, human information that we have from this is literally right on the cusp of recorded history, so it's probably few and far between. Now, if this information came out in the 70s, I would be inclined to give it a, a level of credibility. Now, if it came out in the 80s and 90s, I would be a little more skeptical. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you there. That applies to a whole lot of topics. This is true because we, unfortunately, and I, you know, I'm amazed by the, the availability of information on the Internet, but we've also got to take into account a media literacy about where did this information come from? Um, is the source credible? Um, has it been skewed through IA religion or B uh, legend or C, you know, uh, skepticism, hype, whatever, back and forth? You, you know, and then of course you've got your pros and cons for each of these. Because I, I just recently went to YouTube looking for Texas Cube information. I typed in Texas Cube and I saw more disinfo and and people debunking it rather than the information that we know that we've already published. So I was a little miffed at that. So plus through the eighties, uh, through the eighties and nineties, uh, advertising, be it for good or bad purposes, through the eighties or nineties, that's when it really became a science. Where before it was an art form, through the eighties and nineties, people are manipulate learned to manipulate our emotions a lot better uh, with their advertising and so on and so forth. So I got another question for you, James Madison. He says the sky is milky white because of chemtrails. Not much of a question, but I will put that out to you. Um, Is there a confusion between chemtrails and this? Are chemtrails even a thing? Is there a confusion there? Um, Yeah, it it, it gets mixed because um, especially with the fact that if you're looking for chemtrails, that's what you're going to see. And you're not going to be looking beyond that. And you're going to go, okay, this is what happened. And then they spread out. Chemtrails only spread out so far, and usually when they are chemming, it's right because they're trying to hide something that's just about to happen right in front of your face. 
So they're going to try and add a cross pattern or something so that the eye doesn't grasp onto the actual shape of the object. Now, there is a lot of space clouds going on up there that you've got to learn about. Take the time. Uh, it's Understanding the Skies Edition 1, Samuel Hoffman. It's on YouTube. Go watch that. You'll start to see there are, there are definite atmosphere behavior patterns to each of the passing planets, which has helped us also locate and identify and watch them over the years. And we've learned all of this information. I mean, there's volumes and volumes and volumes of stuff that we've learned just by watching them. Um, Yes, now, and then also to take, you have to take into account um, where do these people live. If they're sitting at sea level, then they're probably getting the crap cammed out of them because you're living in a more populated area, and yes, they spend more time coming over the top of populated zones. They don't just go straight across the country. They usually just spray over t the regions of the major metropolis areas so the m majority of people cannot see it. Now, the empty cities, the little small towns, they don't get chemed over very often. And, the, you know, this is where we get a lot of our reports from, from the little guys all over the world. And they're not staring. Or we're, and we don't even basically discuss chemtrails anymore on my site at Montana Skywatchers 1 or 2. We just say, look, this is a topic we don't want to we, You know, we moved on beyond it. And if you can't tell the difference between chemtrails and um, the ions split-tailed, uh, Isatum or the drag off cloud between um, Atu and Yuri, then you need to do a little more time in research. And you have to be discerning and not be, you know, blocked by the chemtrails and stop thinking beyond, or start thinking beyond that. And remember, these are sky pillars and they do drag on space clouds between each other. So your, your clear answer would probably be that chemtrails' main motivation is to distract from what's really going on and not so much the chemicals. Well, there's also the other twist to it. It's, it's a dual sword here. The, the chemtrails are also blocking in the extra incoming light because we have a second sun, and that second sun is, is frying the crap out of all the lesser countries and or creating more extreme weather, flooding, and stuff like the chemtrails actually sort of protect us from getting fried oh. because they're, they're blocking a whole lot of extra sun that's coming in. And all you got to do is look at the meters, the UV index, is 73% above normal. And how do you explain that? Well, you can't say it's ozone because our ozone layer is actually getting better in a lot of ways. And so, you know, and everybody says, well, maybe it's just, you know, an anomaly. No, that's because there's an extra big, huge, bright thing out there putting out that extra, you know, sunlight. Right. And, and you know, there's just so many fingers pointing to that that could be the only solution. And it's basically obvious, but nobody wants to reach there because that's against everything they know, you know, and that's messing with their science. Okay, this next one is mostly just a uh, compliment to you and a motivation. Julia XOXO, Sam, you cannot spoon feed. Uh, you don't get paid, so F them. Let them do their own research. The lazy ones are imbeciles that want everything for free. Love you lots. Two exclamation points. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've uh, learned uh, over the last 12 years, and like in April, we're coming up on our 12th year. And uh, I have learned to get a little thicker skin. And because, you know, and I, I regularly tell myself, I'm crazy. This is nuts. This can't possibly be happening. And then I turn my computer on, and there's, you know, another 150 pictures proving that it's real. So every day I'm, I'm bending one way and bending the other and going, you know, and this is why I try to make sure that I prove it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to throw in hype, supposition, or guessing. 
And if I don't know, then I say so. But if we have an example from the last five years going back, and then I, this is where I collect all of these photos from, from everywhere, and we have match after match after match. And then anyone who's followed me knows that my drawings are so accurate that it's almost spooky. Yeah. So, and and to make short concise answer hopefully <laughs> right. you know um people out there you probably remember but people out there may not remember how we actually got to know one another was i had done another show on nibiru and your loyal impressively loyal following uh basically reached out to us and and told us that we were full of it and that we needed to talk to you and so that's how i reached out and talked to you so you do have an impressively loyal following that is for that sure was, that was show number 13 for you Oh, I wonder if there's a message in there somewhere. Well, yeah, yeah. but what, I, I keep reposting that all the time because, you know, you uh, and you know want to get your shows up and want to get your views up. And, well, it's and working. I, I, keep rep- I keep reposting your YouTube stuff and your, and your, uh, your Facebook site every once in a while to people, and I'm, I'm trying to pass on the, the, the aid you've already given me. So, because, I mean, you know, it's like, uh, it's like restaurant workers taking care of restaurant workers, you know. we we got to stick together. Yep, got to keep the keep the knowledge and the fun rolling. Um, okay, I, I was actually watching some of your other shows the other day, and and that's when I noticed that the the Sasquatch one was out had more views than me, and I was going, oh, oh, wait a minute, somebody's <laughs> going to win, somebody's going to win my free Sasquatch. I don't want that. Well, know? we've done that's two. Joke sa- that, that, you got to add them all up. We've done two Sasquatch shows in the three years that we've been doing this, and we've done a whole lot more of this. <laughs> All right, great. Well, you know, th- these are it's this is just outrageous that this is happening and nobody has seen it. And not only that, we got to discuss the Texas cube and the long box cube and all the triangle crap that everybody's seeing every day for the last month and a half. I've had nonstop sightings. Okay, um, well, let's let's finish up these oh, go, uh, oh, two. Go ahead, that's right. Go ahead. I just have I two more, two more. This I, one is I, very I much off track. topic, so I'm guessing that you're going to say I don't know. But um, the road said, does blood type play a role as to who has those awakening awakened happenings? I swear I've known things weren't as they appeared since birth. Oddly, I'm going to tell you yes, I know about this. Oh. Uh, yes, that's an absolute. There, there is a plan, and I was also told this by the Pleiadian. And this was face-to-face conversation for those of you who don't know me. And this guy's seven foot tall, got a really weirdly shaped back of his head. All this, wearing white robes, little gray guys running all over the place. Abduction scenario. Anyway, face-to-face. Um, there is a long-involved plan that the binary solar system overlords the demigods our designers our over bosses have been suggested by their bosses the people of higher other races around them that we should be allowed to evolve up into the federation and becoming normal humans being parts because we're interesting to the pleiadians and other groups blah 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 so yes there is a blood type plan that has been introduced long ago that is now after many generations to us or one or two to them it's a short time to them many Mm -hmm. generations to us is in plan and this is why some of these people see these things and some of these people absolutely will not Hmm. what do we know what the blood type is yes 
It has to do with the RH, and I can, and it has to do with whether or not you're linked to, to blood type O. I see. Okay. And everybody can go out and research that and figure out, and that has to do with the indigo populace and the rocket scientists and where IQs come from and special other gifts and all sorts of other really cool things. All right, and then here's the last one from Sherry Harbeck. Harbeck, H-R-A-B-E-C. I wonder, too, if the Chlorbrin could give us a timeline on how long the planets could be around. Between the surviving Egyptians and the Celtic monks who wrote on same thing years and years later, second half of the Colbrin. Okay, that was a whole lot of... Okay, that's a whole lot of words I don't know. What's the Colbrin? God, um, geez, it is a um, it is a text of the secret. Uh, it is a uh, a, a series of t- truths wrapped in legend and mysticism. I see. Uh, so its own type of Bible. It it, it talks about the other planets. And it talks about some of their behaviors and some of the processes, and it, it, it wraps it in a of the times descriptive lore uh, that would suit those people of their temperament of that time. Um, it, it it it's 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 like a group of coded, you could almost say Nostradamus quatrains. I see. They're they're telling you facts, but they're twisting it in metaphors and and other things. But the the Colburn Bible is also part of the messenger uh, scenario of the the Hierophant, the secret wisdoms of the uh, Ashkenazi Jews, all the way through the Templar Knight secrets. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to look into that one. Okay, well, that's the uh, end of our questions. And you had said um, at one point that we need to talk about the Texas Cube and the pyramid or triangular shaped craft. Uh, let's talk about the Texas Cube. Um, this is something that we've talked about before. And, you know, I think with Cube and it being intelligence made, we automatically assume that it's a craft, but you would think that it would have left. So is this some kind of installment and what new are we seeing with that well this thing is so big and i have visually um in uh, april 2019 i sat and watched it for about two hours along with uh, hundreds of huge star destroyers beside it that looked like grains of sand next to this darn craft it's so big you wouldn't believe we've been watching it since deep space all the way back in 2009 off of Google Space, and then Google Space went into blackout into 2010, literally all the way to, by, I can't even remember, like 2012 after that, I stopped even looking. Um, and, but we, we got some captures of it, and then we thought it was an anomaly, and then we started, and then all of a sudden in 2015, it popped up out through a wormhole over the top of Texas, um, and we talked about that in, the, in other shows, it being a, a, a collider, meaning the seventh marker and all of that, a location marker for it to arrive from. And this is an extragalactic ship from uh, one of the factions of the Federation and pretty much the charging bosses. Now, the Empire Orb got here early, before the planets did, and it started, you know, flying around and doing all of, you know, its studies and changing, and we saw that, too, as well, and we watched it live in Montana Skywatchers 
four years prior to the Texas Cube getting here. But the Cube has got all the, the multitude fleet craft that were either parked inside or flew along with it or came through the wormhole afterwards or whatever. We don't have full documentation of that. But we're getting absolute sightings of this every day over Europe, and it is a massive, massive ship. We've seen behavior where it's getting caught in some of these lightning storms, and it's directly connected to the, their side orbs, and they're getting discharges off the planets and the object cluster group and all sorts of stuff. It's really cool, all this purple lightning. And I have many pictures of that if you'd like to see a few of them. And um, we know that they're uh, recorded in on crop circles by the Mayans and stuff in, in the old Phoenix uh, crop circle. And the it's a time marker. It shows lead asteroid at two's moon, the Texas cube, the side orb, and then it shows on the horizon, which gives a date where these planets are location on Earth's horizon, just sort of like they, they do in the movie Stargate. They show planetary similarities of moons and bodies when those are sitting on such and such a horizon. That's when they will be there slash time marker. Mm. So... Um, we know that there are uh, another races on it. I'm not going to go into grave detail because I have my assumptions, but I don't have any facts because I haven't physically gone up to that ship and seen who's driving it. But I know that there are other races on this group because the number of ships that we're sighting regularly, and we're talking huge Karelian Star Destroyers, just like in Star Wars. It's unbelievable. I can't believe it. You know, um, we got Star Trek and Star Wars crossing here in the middle of our, our reality, and, and that would, that's what makes a lot of people not really want to believe this. But it's it's so heavily documented, you know, for God now, oh, you know, roughly five six years on the Texas Cube, eight years on the Empire Orb, and the smaller craft we've been documenting for non for nonstop, and, we, and we're not even paying any attention to the disks or the orbs or the saucers, none of that stuff because we don't. If they're not a clear picture, if it's not an absolute sighting and it's this blob, then it doesn't count as a sighting. We don't take guesses. We take proof, period. And we've had so much, and I mean, today I got 10, 15 different shots from around the world of the Texas cube on the left-hand side of the sun, and the long box cube is on the right-hand side of the sun, and those two have been really close to each other, and I think been interchanging, you know, ships, supplies, God only knows, because they've been extremely close proximity in a lot of sightings, and and, and and Petty over in, in uh, uh, I, I believe he's in Budapest, um, is getting some of the best shots. In the, I mean, in Europe and Budapest, they're getting just absolute great sightings. And then, of course, there's a whole bunch in the United States and in New Zealand and, and Australia and, and England and yeah, all over. So yeah. we, we can't deny it anymore that they are definitely re- And I'm amazed. I'm totally, absolutely, even Mr. BBB333 got sightings of the Texas Cube, and I cannot believe they have not gone viral yet. This is insane. You know, you made a point there about uh, it being Star Wars, Star Trek in our skies, and, and I don't want to misrepresent myself. You know, I, I am a skeptic. Hell, I'm skeptical as to if I even exist or not. I mean, I'm all the way, like, maybe. Um, but I... I do like to remind people when they jump to that conclusion that um, Arthur C. Clarke helped design the communication satellite that NASA used for decades, and he also wrote 2001. He he invented in his writing the uh, zero-gravity toilet. I mean, these, these sci-fi writers, true science fiction, not sci-fi fantasy, but true science fiction, these people are actually looking down a possible chain of events. So I wouldn't discard it so quickly when people, when people make science fiction comparisons to reality. 
Oh, and then there's there's so much proof of it over the years, and there are. I mean, if you look into into rock and roll artists who are writing these songs, they they they're writing stuff that absolutely fits in so many metaphysical ways and 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 you know other ways and scientific ways and all this other stuff. It is truly amazing what 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 a piece of work is man, you know, and all of that. There mm-hmm. really is, a, and then we can also take into account far seeing because this is a good portion of what I do, and you know I view what I see in my head and I, I, I can't say to you, hey, this is my intelligence or my logic. I have a, some of this stuff comes from God only knows where and I've been running with it for so long that I use it as a normal tool. But to others they go, How do you do this? And well to me it's you know, I see it. This is what I see. Would that be and, synonymous to uh, remote viewing or some of those other right, things? Right. Okay, go right. ahead. And this yeah. is of course what I was one of the this is the main reason I was recruited by the government back in nineteen 19- 78 through 80 and they wanted me to be part of the, what's now no it's, it's called Farseeing group and you can look that up it's now declassified so I can talk about it but I was under the you know 30-year non-disclosure agreement I couldn't even discuss it period until 19, until 2010 which is when I started doing all of this stuff openly mm-hmm. um, it, there it, it's it's so blatantly powerfully true that I'm sure on a number of levels this information is trying to work its way out of our ears even. Oh yeah. Well, I mean we do it with much I mean people do it with uh, spouses having affairs, with kids having drug problems. I mean programming stuff out of our brains that we don't like is not uncommon. Well, I I say people need to, you know, learn to trust themselves Mm -hmm. and careful who you listen to. And there is so much disinfo out there. And and, and what boiled down to when I was writing my paper all the way back in 1978, everything that I had seen from Einstein was just uncomfortable. It didn't fit to me compared to what I knew in advanced chemistry. And how can what's in the subatomic be this way if in the astroatomic it's got this quote-unquote different set of rules? because they're looking for the unification model. To me, that didn't make sense. And this is why I wrote my paper going, it's got to be one rule. And subatomic and astroatomic, as above, so below, the same thing. There, There is no difference. And this is, if you throw out the gravity issue, and, and, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm saying it's a lesser force than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And there's electrical influences, and then there's uh, there's uh, uh, centrifugal force issues. That, you know, and we're also made of Earth. We're born on Earth, so therefore we are electrically charged in the same manner. And when two like bodies exist, they will coexist in the same path together. Uh, it's the harmonic differences that either repel or change and reharmonize other objects into an uh, elevated state to map match them, which is uh, uh, proton proximity, likeness, likeness identification, et cetera, et cetera. But um, there is more to this galactic presence than what we can understand. And what we're seeing right outside our window here, right outside our atmosphere, is examples of this, and people don't know how to perceive it because they're lost in the sun simulator or they're lost in the chemtrails or they're lost in what so-and-so on planet such-and-such news said. And and they get totally lost, and they start to believe the wrong things. And then there's the big one, oh, the government's out to do this to us. And so then they don't look any farther as well. And that's kind of sad. And, you know, I mean, I, I love a good conspiracy theory as, uh, blah, can't talk, conspiracy theory as, as well as the next guy. But you've also got to stick in the middle. 
Mm. You can't go, you know, leaping off the end and saying, okay, you know, we're getting zapped from space by laser ships. Now, we've seen some evidence of it, but we don't have any real proof. It could be, you know, on this picture, this could be a meteor coming in and causing a straight line. We don't know, unless you're absolutely there to see it yourself. Now, being that said, I have seen the, the, uh, the skull asteroid by eye. I have seen the Empire Orb by eye. I have seen the Texas Cube by eye. And the only one I have not seen personally by eye is the Long Box Cube. I've seen it wrapped in clouds, but I've never seen it well enough to say, well, that's exactly the picture that I saw that I have. So, you know, speaking, of the, speaking of the Long Box Cube, you know, I, I had the question like, I can only compare life in the universe to humanity. It's the only one I know. But from country to country, jets, airplanes, they have similar shapes because that's the technology that works. So if I were to apply this outside, you know, we're looking at a lot of different shapes. We're looking at cubes. We're looking at spearheaded shapes. We're looking at an orb, uh, the long box, maybe just a rectangular cube. You know, um, does this lead us to believe that each of those are possibly different civilizations or that those are just variations of technology that we just don't understand? Both. I, the, the, the cubes are, I believe, huge landing ships like parking garages from hell in the sky with all kinds of support craft and because we've seen evidence of it not to make another sci-fi comparison but kind of like the pyramids in stargate you know the traveling base so to say right right and you know that all the stuff could park inside and then the, you know they close the garage doors and through the hole they go and off to you know because travel through space to them is quite easy it, all they have to do is have you know we talked about the seven markers and they have to have enough enough energy and that's usually where they'll get it from a discharge or something they generally run off battery power as a whole you know solar and all sorts of low low amp tech but when they go to space they need a lot of juice to do it and so they get themselves caught in storms and you know extricated using the orbs and all sorts of other stuff but their technology is unbelievable and you know they use carbon fibers stacked properly so they're their steel is probably quite thin and, and excruciatingly strong in comparison to ours and all of this. And right. all of that tech is available. And their tech is staggering. It's so much more than we can imagine. And a lot of it has to do with electric polarity in ways that we don't even comprehend yet. And yet, you know, now they're just, just starting to talk about the free energy that Tesla found. And yes, it does exist in Earth because there's 235 watts, or excuse me, volts of free power coming from Earth in cyclic hums and you if you tune your device to receive that that's the trick is to get a tuning device to receive the harmonic electricity and make use of it um you know in talking about technology with the ships and stuff uh I, this might be a little bit ridiculous of a question it's my own personal question um I don't know how well you follow sort of the dredges of the news, but there's a senator or representative actually named Marjorie Taylor Greene that had some comments about a Jewish space laser, you know, <laughs> and and I think we're all convinced that there's no such thing as a Jewish space laser. But um, is it possible that her confusion stems from some of this technology? Uh, you know, there has been some evidence, and we've we've seen a handful, not not a box full, but a handful, of 
pictures coming in where they believed that these were space lasers and they were starting fires. Um, that might be localized USA. I wouldn't attribute it to aliens shooting down on us because they've got a whole bigger process that's going on just fine without having to sit and throw a straw onto the, the hay pile. I see. So you would definitely put that more in the category of things we're doing to ourselves to cope with the yeah, uh, environmental than, changes. Rather than chemtrail the hell out of uh, the Midwest or the East Coast, let's start a really big fire in California. Right. You know? Oh, good point. And, yeah, and, that would block the sky, that's for sure. Yeah, and then the, the sightings would go down and they'd retain their cute little jobs, and at the same time, they'd clear all that dry forest that they forgot to pay for for the last, uh, since the Reagan era. Because uh-huh. I'm a former forest employee. I used to be work for the uh, Federal Employee Bureau of Land Management. But anyway. Yeah, and, um, and I'll have you back me up on this. While everybody likes to crap on California about this, most of that land is actually federal land. <laughs> right, and they they took all the stuff with anything valuable underneath the soil. I promise you. Right, I worked for them, um, and and the and the good stuff, the stuff that they're bartering for, and a good portion of what's going on politically between the space and uh, between the, the the bosses above and the people down below who are vying for position and by trying to get the biggest pile so that they can continue to stay in power. Makes sense. And that's another show entirely. Yeah, that makes sense, though. That's what, what people with power tend to do. If I'm going to stick with my comparing life to humanity, that's all we know. <laughs> and, and the transfer of commodities is such a great uh, volume in 4,000 years. And there is a, we, go, we go back to the 2011-2012 the story where there was this big block of yellow that melted out of the Greenland ice sheet that was 20 miles long by 80 miles long. And then there, there was a giant craft that was sighted for two weeks straight from people in Iceland, and it was massive. And then after the two weeks was over, so the ship was gone, and so was that 20 by 80 mile long pile mm-hmm. of yellow objects that glistened in the sun. You know, I I can't help but to be pulled back to Red Sonia and... Conan, you know, this kind of yeah. this kind of seems like a uh, like like a bug's life, even to get a better thing where you reap your harvest and you save half the harvest for when the people come and raid your stuff. And if you don't have it, they're going to mess you up. Yeah, we're uh, we're uh, we're heading very possibly to a feudal scenario. And uh, I, we could talk about the China corn deal that just went through here and is going to continue to go through. They're buying up old seed stock that they never really did buy up before in vast quantities. They're buying up every ounce of corn and seed they can get their hands on. Well, that raises a socio-political question then. And the question is, is it possible that a country like China is trying to produce more in order to outbid us with the masters above? Well, they just flooded really bad. They're, I would say a very good 50% of their croplands has been devastated this year, or last year, oh, as well, well as a good portion of ours. And we're already in trouble because we've got Kansas floods going on, and that water goes down. It doesn't go anywhere, and we're getting more. And so, you know, we, we, you know and this is why some people are talking about buying extra food now before the prices are going up, because we've already seen increases in everything, including the gasoline thing due to... Uh, now everybody's blaming the Biden 
presidency, but that's not the truth. The truth of it is is that the refineries in Texas during that period of time when the electricity went down and all of that, they stopped producing. So therefore, we saw a 40 cents increase in the last two months. Uh, you know, blame the this this makes me think of another sociopolitical comment. Uh, you brought up Biden. And, um, you know, before it was Trump. You can't get much more polar opposite than Biden and Trump. But it seems a lot of people have a hard time rectifying and coming to terms with the idea that the president is doing all this bad stuff to us, yet also believing that there's a cabal that's higher than the president. You know, well, it's, it's, it seems kind of like you have to pick one or the other. You right. can't you, you can't imagine that Biden is changing everything while there's a ruling class cabal that chose Biden, chose Trump, chose Obama in order yeah, and, for and their now, deal. You know, now say to yourself, there's five or six of them. Are they at war? That's the thing. Um, well, yeah, or is it more economic I, war? I think it's more financial. I, you know, I mean, there could be some, you know, little skullduggery going around with Boris Bedenoff and this and that and the, the other thing. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with financial control and, and you know, almost like a gentleman's club game. And there's different groups and, you know, the skulls and this and, you know, that's a common and then a couple other I don't even dare mention. Um, or maybe like a Cold War. Well, yeah, there's a there's a financial cold war and there's an information war going on right now and they're 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 gathering the sheep and, and um this gives me the opportunity to drop the Q bomb on you. Uh, Q for instance and those, most people don't realize this originated in, in in the eastern uh or western bloc countries of Russia. And that's where Q comes from. It's a disinformation machine that is embedded so strongly in American mid housewife mid-class internet knowledge that it's just unbelievable how successful they've been yeah. and that has created a great deal of the hostility and the hate and the fear that we're existing in right now I and agree. everybody needs yeah. to throw that crap out and remember damn it we're america and we're not going to listen to the bunch of naysayer negative people who are trying to get us to get afraid of everything and right. it's this fear base that we've got to let go which is part of why I'm doing what I'm doing every day to make sure that the facts come out. And we're talking about this, not what so-and-so said in 1986 about the red planet Nibiru, some dark body floating in by itself with nothing. We know that there's a solar system around this, and we know there's other planets, and we know there's a star with it, and we know we're a binary solar system because it can't be anything else. There's no rogue unlit body with people on it because if they don't have a star they're not going to be alive i mean there's a basic one for you but um you know what you said about q brings up a something that i've been really trying to push you know um i am what people would call liberal uh, but I'm also a business owner, and a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of my friends, a lot of a lot of the people that I know are my polar opposite when it comes to politics. But we're still neighbors, and when the stuff hits the fan, I'm going to go run into my neighbor for some help, and they're going to come run into me, and hopefully we'll both be there for one another. So I would well, hopefully I people will just let some of that crap go. Part of what I've been waiting for them uh, from everybody is to figure out who your enemy is. Yeah. And on one hand, I'm, I'm going to say there is no real enemies because um, our, the answer to our problem is not by figuring out who our enemy is because we don't have that many. The, the, the situation is far bigger than people realize, and it's far 
less attainable than they would even imagine. And what's going on, we've talked about this for, before with do we fight them or do we not fight them. Right. They are so vastly beyond us that the only way that we're going to get through this is through diplomacy, period, and, and personal evolution. We have to figure out how to take a slap in the face and say, that's okay, we still need each other, and I may disagree with you, and I may not agree with your less than uh, uh, admirable opinion, in my opinion, and but yet we're still going to need each other because, you know, you cannot mine or, or, or grow an entire crop of wheat by yourself. You just cannot do that. It's nope. not possible. And the best and, way to prepare know, for an upcoming war is to grow and train your tribe you know you don't know what's coming around the corner but if there's more of you working together you know you're going to be able to handle it right and we need a a level of awareness that this is existing and and you know if the if the shit hits the fan and all of a sudden people are going well what, what caused this then can you imagine the amount of rumors and crazy things we're about to hear from people who are absolutely uninformed Right, and that's what's kind of spooky. And if they have a knowledge of the, you know the object cluster groups are during this 180 day cycle are very close, and they're going to cause these excruciatingly weird, fast, windy electrical storms that are just going to be beyond your imagination, including ripping your house into shreds. Well, you might pre-plan and actually put you know a bug out bag down in a basement, or be ready, or or you know, or just be a little more leery. And if you hear the dogs barking, well then you know pay more attention. Yeah, not to um, drop a not to drop another hot topic keyword, but uh, I I I think the way that we dealt with COVID was a prime example. You know, uh, here comes a disease. People are all, oh, what do we do about it? And then you know, doctors didn't know, so they tried to put out what information that they did know with the idea that we're going to be learning more along the way and this is going to change yet so many people just lost it and there was just mad misinformation everywhere and and you know when we all come to terms with if what you're saying is true when we all come to terms with that i think we can expect a total collapse of society if we don't get our business together well you know i i've said this i'll probably you know 25, 30 times on different shows. And go to your house, you know, if you want a camping vacation, here, guys, walk over to your electrical box and turn it off for two days. Yeah, great idea. you will get the largest wake-up call you've ever seen in your entire life, including don't don't believe that your water source is always available. No. Uh, Spend a couple of days figuring out how much water it takes to flush your toilet personally for every individual in your house. And you're going to have an extreme wake-up call, and you're going to go, holy cow. I, I have this wake-up call. I got a little story for you. Uh, we went up to my friend's cabin, and we were all staying in this cabin. And, uh, you know, we did what people do when they stay at a cabin with a bunch of their friends is we got totally hammered. And the next morning, we wake up, and a snowstorm has come in so bad that it has busted the pipes. We still have electricity, but we no longer have running water. And it's snow. We're surrounded in snow. And you would think, oh, no big deal. Yes, it was a big deal. We had to boil all the water that we got because, you know, there's possible bare fecal matter in the stream. I had to bring in cans upon cans of snow and melt them down so that they could be poured into the top of the toilet in order to be able to flush it. It was like nonstop work for two days just from losing water in the snow. Right. Right. 
It makes you think about having your own, you know, um, storage containers where you can store your own water. Plus, we were uh, hammered in it. You know, an emergency <laughs> spill up your bathtub, and then you can use that water. Mm-hmm. And it takes literally two gallons to flush your toilet on a modern, you know, older toilet. And you go to the newer ones, and it's up to a gallon. Right. But, um, and, 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 and talk about you have so much more time on your hands when you don't have electricity. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. You sit there, oh, crap, what am I going to do? And then you start thinking about cooking. And then, oh, my God, what's going bad in my refrigerator? And what <laughs> and do I dare open the freezer and all right. of that, you know? And if you don't have your coolers and your ice and everything and your, and your root cellar, and, you know, if you really want to, go look at how they used to build old ice houses. Mm-hmm. I even know how. I've studied all of that crap. because And straw is fantastic for ice. Um, well, I guarantee you when society claps, then I'm coming to your house. Yeah, well, you know, that's kind of like what a lot of people have said, and I was kind of like told that that might happen up here in Montana. You're going to be the old lady in the stand. All of us are going to be traveling across the country. (laughs) We're all going to be traveling across the country, hiding from evil and looking for Sam's house. Um, Did you hear the rumor? What's that? Uh, I, I'm a fat guy in Texas. I, I, I apologize for saying fat guy in Texas, but there there was a rumor for a while. I'm some fat guy in Texas, and I'm not really me. And I there's all kinds of rumors, and I still chuckle about it. But anyway, go ahead. I was well. To be fair, there's the more than one fat guy in Texas, so you're allowed yeah, to say yeah. it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no offense, fat guys in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's I don't know how long it's been since we had you on last, but I'm going to throw out six months for the hell of it and ask you what has changed in our knowledge of of Nibiru the planetary systems the socioeconomics what has changed in the last six months well Isatum is being highly more visible and of course Nibiru is coming in on the right hand side of, of the planet filling up three quarters of the sky where it was before it was filling up you know like a third and now it's directly going over the top of us, and we're seeing the really, really volatile um, atmosphere of his satin. And it's got the, that is the winged planet that everybody thought was Nibiru, that somehow legend got all twisted out of correctness, and it's red. And the asteroids are the important thing that we're coming into, because at last fall, we had some really drastic close passes that caused, you know, those crop failure wipeouts in, in Ohio, and, and we've got it on radar. And we've also got pictures that over the, from from sky cams and all sorts of stuff to corroborate. Uh, there's that word, corroborate. Anyway, I'm not going to say it. I can't uh, corroborate. Yeah, there we go. Um, had to anyway. Um, and so, what's changed is the proximity of the planets. Is we are now we've gone, and I'm going to try to describe this. Before last year, when we talked, we were on. In, if, we, if you look out in space and Yuri is standing there and Nibiru is way off in the distance a little bit to the right still, we were on one side of Yuri and Atu was over the top of us and Atu's moon was over the top of us and we were having extremities from that the last time we talked. Now, since then, we have gone underneath Yuri and Atu towards in a circular towards the left while those are coming in and heading over to above us and to our shoulder to our right and now we're getting closer proximities of Yuri so we're going to see nothing but Yuri and before you know it we're going to start to see the base cloud of Saru who is behind Yuri and she is also vastly large like Nibiru and she has a really thick 
brightly illuminated open base core. And so we're going to see even more um, cool stuff. And then, of course, the illuminating object cluster group of the beginning of the 180-day cycle, they're going to be illuminating more. We're going to see more visual effects and rainbow effects in the sky and rainbow colors, which is the refraction of the debris and the gases as the sunlight shines through the, the de debris fields of URI and Attu. And they're going to come in as a group, and we'll be able to see them at sunrise and here early this spring. In another month or two, we'll be able to start seeing sightings of the planets at dawn in the west, which is what happened last uh, last two years and, and four years ago as well. And, and so we're going to see all of these planetary passings now where we're going to see the illuminated faces of them as they are beyond Earth. As before, we've been seeing the dark sides of them and the cutoff effects and the lighting and the side-lit crescent flares and the side illuminations of the planets before. But in the future, we're going to see them as they are completely above us and beyond us. So we're going to be doing more looking upward and, and seeing. It's, it's really hard, too, and, you, and when you look up, you're, you're getting less depth perception that you do when you're looking at outward. But then you've got to look at horizon all the way straight up to, you know, 360 even. And I recommend blue, or excuse me, uh, uh, gray-black sunglasses. Don't try to film through uh, welder's glasses. Anytime you film through glass, you're going to get glass doubles every time. Don't film through glass. Um, but sunglasses, if you wear gray-black sunglasses, just look for the dark spots in the sky and look at in, in sightings and captures and pictures, look at the dark areas in the photos first. Don't look at the sun. Don't try to figure out what the sun's doing until later. Look at what's on the sides and the dark areas of the pictures, and you'll see all the asteroids and all the planets. And then, of course, when in question, re, uh, re, resort to Montana Skywatcher's monthly site drawing, which are still to this day highly accurate because we keep getting submissions from around the world and it helps me sort of centralize all what's going on on one piece of paper now granted it's it's more of a dramatization than an actuality but in basis it, it actually actually works and yeah. Rebecca uh, at Nibiru Followers Anonymous has done a great job of inter, intermixing my drawings over the top of some of these events and they actually fit so it's really cool stuff and so if you, you, know, if you want to see even more great videos with live feed and all sorts of stuff going on she really works. She really works hard, and I, I love what she's doing. And she should be seriously congratulated. But anyway, uh, go to her YouTube page. But uh, I'll let you talk, and then I'll take two breaths. All right. Um, the answer to my next question might be too scientific for me to understand or the audience to understand, but uh, you can trim it up a bit. Um, with so science with this belief system science obviously is mistaken on how important gravity is is the tracking of nibiru and the planetary uh group is that giving us any better of an understanding of the way that the universe works or is that something that we couldn't even really get to until science really got on board with all of their machines and their instruments all right you're saying us that's a big us uh, um, us as in humanity yeah well problem is who are we going to listen to and it boils down to you know some of the greatest scientific discoveries throughout our history were done in somebody's back house guest house or garage and then the people that were really brilliant were horrendously scoffed at laughed at and ostracized 
Yeah, and, Newton. Uh, Isaac yep. Newton was basically banished for decades before uh, Sir Edmund Haley actually came to his rescue and sort of brought his reputation back. Velikovsky was laughed at and made fun of because he was Jewish. And then they used to, when they went when that argument didn't work anymore. Then they then they ridiculed his wife. Yeah, um, there's a lot of it. And so it, it ha- it's going to boil down to uh, acceptance of, of the obvious what fits in comparison to what the good old boys say. And I will, God, you know, you, you and my generation have been waiting for the good old boys to go away. And yet they're still, unfortunately, so strongly in power. They keep making good old kids. Because you said something <laughs> earlier. I'm a liberal. Now, remember when we were being raised... They, and I'm referring to, of course, the era of the Vietnam War because I was always told I was going to end up in Nam. But anyway, <laughs> um, we used to be the right-wing liberal hippies. So when did somebody switch sides and not tell me? Yeah, that's why I make it a point to say that the world would view me as liberal. Um, because yeah, I, I, mean, I wouldn't left wing now. I, I, I don't mean, know. I, as a hippie, am I not a left wing hippie? According to the certain factions in our political scenario right now, based solely on haircut. Yes. Yeah. Well, that or you know, I mean, you know, well, I could I could throw almost mullet in there, but my hair is too long for that. But um, I'm beyond the mullet. My hair is straight back and all the way. Anyway, I like to think of the political wings now as being dragonflies. So there can be four wings. I'm going to be one of the other yeah. two. Mm-hmm. I'm the left yeah, back I could, wing. <laughs> I, I vote for the guy who makes the most sense, and according to my rules, I'm not theirs. Well, part of that is the problem. Part of that is the problem, because certain knowledge just can't be gotten to without a group. Like you were saying, you can't grow the wheat without a group. You right. can't mine without a group. And, you know, so so take a look at Flat Earth. A lot of these people say the Earth oh, is flat. All you got to do is go outside and look, and you can see that it's flat. But... But no, your your perspective has to change in order for you to understand that the Earth is not flat. So there I, I are some levels to this technology that is going to take groupthink. I love that they're doing a convention, and I have one answer for them. It's called celestial rounding. You cannot have a body in space that is getting hit by stellar cosmic material that orbits and rotates in an electrical manner, meaning that it has a positive charge unless it's an asteroid, in which case asteroids are not rounded. They can be multi-freak-shaped, including flat. Uh, but if we are on a body that has an electric core, which we know it does because it puts out 235 volts, therefore, because due to its placement and celestial attachment, we have nothing but the possibility of being rounded by stellar, stellar material over the last 8 billion years. Earth cannot be flat. Thank you. <laughs> well, yes, I, I totally agree with you, but it, it does stand to say that in order to convince people, you, you're going to need more scientific, <clears throat> more well, scientific measurements other than just telling people to look and see what they see, because we know that all of our perceptions are potentially flawed based on scale or based on opinion. We, uh, we do have the Apollo moon landing pictures uh, or the, the, even the orbiting Apollo Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, the scoffers who don't believe that we landed on the moon. Oh yeah, I can't. Uh, anyway, I can't do no flat Earth personally. I just. Uh, uh, but it's we do too have ridiculous. multiple <laughs> orbital space pictures of Earth showing us as a pinpoint in life and light, and then even the you know the the, the Viking space 
ranger and all of that have shown pictures of us being this tiny little earth and so now and then people will reach for the firmament which means that we're this we're a flat earth on a bigger rounder planet and we're boxed in on this you know celestial walled in city or something like this of the size of earth and i i've heard that one and i just chuckle and i go no no I, i'm sorry if 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 that was the case i'd know about it <laughs> yeah and i have to say personally um I was so moved as a kid and through my adulthood by Carl Sagan's pale blue dot speech that uh, you just can't take that away from me. It's part of my inner core. Of no, my no, being. And, and that's proven. <laughs> that's proven with those pictures shining back on Earth, you know, yeah. and they're looking at us and we're this tiny little thing in that beam of light. And I'm going, yeah, that, and to me, that also proves threat attachment. Mm. Threat uh, attachment. Solar, threat attachment, connection to the sun. Hmm. That we're, we are, we have a uh, an ionized superhighway, direct threat attachment to our, which is how we attain our orbit when in 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 our placement in, in atomic placement in our third ring, we are held here. We are not, as Einstein put it, um, we're not orbiting towards the sun through gravitational forces, and then this dark matter, which is good throws us all the way into the dark matter discussion this dark matter holds us back and then they've created this whole well the dark matter that's in all of this space area that's we can't account for and then they're, they're reaching for for this this uh supposable argument over non-unification model like the heisenberg uncertainty principle and that just keeps them getting their paychecks and holding their jobs because they don't know they're talking out their ass Right, and I've always believed that atomically we are held together like they put those little pegs in the atom model, literally through an electrical thread connection, holding structural placement. Is that kind of like a arc from a Tesla coil? Well, you know, if you look at it, do you know anything about chemistry and shell structure? No. In the in the first <laughs> ring of any atom, it can only hold two protons. In the second ring, it can hold twelve. In the third, it goes two, twelve. It goes two, twelve, sixteen, thirty-two, two, and and out and out out. And that's part of my paper that I wrote that I didn't believe that the the gas giants would be on the outer rings, atomically weighted. I would assume that would they would be at least at the fourth ring, if not the third ring itself, and second. Whereas we should have atomically by our weight, either be right next to Mercury or Venus should be next to Mercury, and we'd be in the second ring. This is why it atomically didn't work for me, so I knew we had to have a second sun or a second body displacing a different atom. I see, kind of, as well as I can see. Well, it has to do with shell structure. Hmm. And, and the rings that these atomic protons, these positively charged protons, are there's two, the possibility for the, of the star to hold two in the first ring and then it can hold 12 in the second ring. And so then I was cross-referencing the atomic weight value that might actually make up or take up the amount of the 12. And why Earth was standing there by itself didn't make any sense to me. Mm. And it should have more, but it doesn't. And yet we've got the other outer rings, if you were to atomically look at this as, as, as a, a chem chemistry stru structure, it didn't make sense. So we had to have more, which is another star, another atom, and then you count the eight planets on those and the eight planets on ours, and it makes up a compound in the soft metals group, which is exactly what our core is. So it fits. 
Yeah, it's mind blowing. I, I don't yeah, think it, I it, track it very well because I don't have yeah, a huge and, understanding of these things. And that's why I never believed in Einstein. That's why I wrote my paper saying that we've got to have a binary solar system because in order for the the layout of our planetary structure with this aberration out there that's going on near Neptune and Pluto, and we wonder why there's this weird jog in the orbit that doesn't account for anything. Well, in order to pull on something, you've got to have a string. And that string has got to be something other than us. So, and that's where I was the basis of me sitting down to write down the paper. You know, here's something that's always sort of um, confused me uh, with this. And I don't know if it's because I'm sort of merging multiple people's thoughts on Nibiru or if I'm just not grasping it, but <clears throat> they say um, Nibiru's in a 3,600-year orbit uh -huh. loosely, uh -huh. but we're binary, so that means that the other sun is in a 3,600-year binary orbit with our sun. Uh-huh. Connected yet, to something else. Yet it's all been here for three years. Does that mean that it's just going very slow and that there are large chunks of our history where there's nothing there? Oh, it's been in proximity with us for uh, since 2009, 2010, 2011, when it came up underneath us in the group. And what happened was is our two stars are attached to a larger body. There is a massive, 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 massive gas giant that is known as Imaru or slash Hercubus to someone, to some people. And that gas giant is an electron cluster that holds the two atoms and the eight planets on either. Now, we go behind this and separate between the two of each other, so we can't see them because of this massive, 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 massive gas giant. So when we conjoin, or I believe at some point travel to the same eddy location through positive and negative discharge of a capacitor, or actual travel speed through the northern and southern planes of the galactic pole, therefore shoving the the guiding, dragging bodies behind compared to that massive gas giant that our stars and solar system would be like, you know, a tail on a kite. And then because we follow in a static spiral behind our star, we would therefore follow in a static spiral behind that gas giant as well as we travel through the galactic plane up into the northern hemisphere of our galaxy, which is what's happening right now. So, so are are we both in in an orbit around the massive gas giant it's just their orbit, orbit takes 3600 years so maybe they pass over us more often no, i or? think what it is is the static charge between the two bodies now i've always viewed that their solars we don't mix our planets don't get yanked out by by uh, one of the larger bodies of the emeru or nibiru system because they're pole value is like maybe negative on the North Pole and positive on the South Pole, where ours is positive on the North Pole and negative. You, you follow me? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm but following that. We don't that steal part. their bodies, they don't steal ours, but we are attached to the major electron cluster and we orbit that and we have a placement and I believe that when our static charge through space 
varies in a harmonic that, that we might actually attract toward each other discharge because we did see the discharging between the two bodies when the second sun got here in 2011 to 2012 there was massive back blow cmes and you can look that up that occurred when the joining of the two stars now they have not separated as far as we know yet we're still waiting for We've seen some evidence of some things that could have been closely called, but most of that is just the asteroids going in front of the star. So it's um, not so much the idea that used to be with Nibiru where where the planet was sort of flung out in a in a elliptical that just went way out there and then came back in and passed around us and went way out there. It's no longer that level of distances. They're actually closer uh, passing around a larger object that I believe that may, we may go behind the day that NASA has yet to see or understand or release information to the lower people. Gotcha. I would love to see because a 3D it, model it, of this. Do you have any followers that do 3D models? I need that. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've tried to put out quite a few. The hard problem about it is trying to draw a 3D model on a flat piece of 2D paper. Right. That's the problem, <laughs> you know. And and I've had other people that I, and I, I wish, you know, I, I wish I'd get some philanthropist that wants to, you know, uh, field a team here so we could put, you know, a computer group together and cross all this information and actually, actually document it better for everyone. But unfortunately, you know, we're still working out of my garage, so to speak. You know, I mean, Orville and Wilbur writes Shaq here, you know, and uh, so, you know, until that changes, this is what I'm stuck with. We're need, I, we I need have, to get you planets on a stick and a green screen so that we can create it. I know, it. I know. I know, and I have yet to be able to find halfway decent styrofoam balls of the right size. Yeah. I've been looking. Huh. I know, and my problem is then uh, uploading it. I have nothing has uploaded for so long off of Montana's caveman-like uh, fiber optic cable, and I wish to God they'd spend some of the money I keep sending them every month on some new damn cables. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm paying for high speed, and I got caveman. You know, I mean, it's outrageous. I can't upload a video that I make. Yeah, at the risk of uh, offending the audience and using my French, the infrastructure on just about everything in this country is shit. Yeah, corporations have been taking all the money and you know, and, and then not reinstalling new stuff in any way, and then they sell the company to somebody else and hand them a problem, all because that was written in that they could. And I don't think you should be able to sell, sell a failing company. I, I think you should, like have to take it in the shorts and fix shit before you leave. Yeah, I mean, look at the fires in California, obviously caused by failing <laughs> infrastructure. The, yeah, look at the Texas electrical system. They've been robbing the system. They were told years ago to upgrade for cold weather, and they didn't. Mm. You know, and oh, now yeah. they're going, oh, it's broken, too. We better go bankrupt. Yeah, that's where my daughter was. They were out of power in negative degrees for, not negative, but close to it uh, for three days. If you have natural gas, look into a Generac. Oh, I, I think, dollars. yeah, uh, she's staying with her friend's family, and I think they're uh, thoroughly prepared. So I I don't think it was quite as hard for her as some other people, that's for sure. I just wish I'd find somebody that wants to hand me a million and a half dollars, and then I'd start doing shit right, you know, and then and say, okay, when the crap hits the fan, you guys come up here, I'm ready. But I nobody's done that yet, so. Well, as a warning to the audience, if they give me a million and a half dollars, I will tell them thank you and probably never speak to anybody again. <laughs> so I'm just well, going to retire. I don't get to get away with this. I, I get visits from, from people off planet, whether I like it or not. So if I had a, if I had a halfway decent place to hang out, it might be a better thing. 
Totally. Uh, you got to entertain. I had visits. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying you got to entertain. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I don't like it when they come to visit without pre-announcing themselves. My last visit was rather brutal and icky and bloody. Yeah. And I, I wasn't as pleasurable and, or welcoming host as I could have been, but they weren't really necessarily a welcome guest in the manner that they arrived. Uh, anyway, we'll have that discussion someday, and you'll love it. But anyway. Well, sounds good. But uh, unfortunately, all good things have to come to an end, and uh, that's where we're at. Uh, to the audience, you've been listening to Samuel Hoffman here on Radio Wasteland. Samuel, uh, I assume that the best case for them to find out more about you and find your stuff is your YouTube channel. Search up Samuel Hoffman or Montana Skywatchers or your Facebook group, right? Right. right. I have not been able to access my YouTube channel and update anything for quite a few years, but there is some really good older information on there. And yes, uh, go to Montana Skywatcher 2. And we're, we have had we have so many people wanting in that we're kind of not adding too many new ones, but I think you can still view the content. But then there is a whole bunch about me on YouTube per se. Um, even on Bing and Google, I now really exist. So I just type my name in anywhere on YouTube, Google or Bing, and you'll get some copies of, of my work. Even in, you know on your televisions while you're you know those smart TVs, you can just type my name in. And as a and reminder to the audience, that's Hoffman with one F. Right. <laughs> do I always say that? I'm sure I do. Uh, uh, well, uh, also, my computer is constantly correcting me. And actually, uh, there was a time I, uh, Andrea made me pull down a couple of flyers because I had misspelled it a couple times in a row. Yeah, I've never really <laughs> taken it personally because it's happened all my life. You know, yeah, well, with, and... with a name like Chauncey, I'm used to it as well. Right, right. Yeah, I, and I have to also say that it's hard to spell. Every time I still spell your name, I still have trouble with it. It's that last E, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the one I forget. <laughs> that tends to be the one that throws everybody off. And then I, you know, hit enter, and then nothing comes up, and it's like, oh, okay. And I, hopefully you got bombarded by, and I know we're trying to end the show here, but I hope that you got bombarded by people wanting a new show. And, and Oh, we did. We did, we'll absolutely. do as many as you'd like, because, you know, um, if you got nothing to do, call me, and we can just BS, and you can record it. I'm sure everybody love every second of it. Sounds good. I'm on board. Thanks again for being on. Trying to call me and they can't get through. So, yeah. Anyway, well, thank you for being on. Uh, it's always fun, and it was fun this time too. Well, thank you for listening, and I really, really appreciate you what you're doing for me and us and and them and us guys and those guys and and et cetera, et cetera. Yes, awesome. 